Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, if you're visiting, I'm really glad that you're, uh, that you're here. Um, hey, I am, uh, and good morning to our live streamers. We are live now. Good morning to my parents. Good morning, morning, fa. My mom will love that. She'll probably cry when she hears me speak in the mother tongue. <clears throat> but uh, it's great to see you, all of you. Uh, this is week five of our seven-week uh, series. You can see there, I am Jesus in his own words. We're looking at the seven I am statements found in the book of John. And really, it's seven times where Jesus, in his own words, he's basically describing himself. This is who I am. This is why I've come to earth. Uh, this is what I think of you. <clears throat> and when we look at these I am statements, and really uh, so much of what Jesus said, he wasn't merely, uh, you know, sort of throwing his hat in the ring as another option, like, hey, you might want to consider, uh, you know. Uh, but really, if you remember the, the first talk of this series, the Gospel of John, John wrote it. It's all with the background or the foundation, uh, with the goal of bringing us to a, a crossroads of decision, to will we believe or not believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That's at the heart of this, of this uh, book. And so Jesus didn't come and say about himself, hey, uh, I am another bread of life. I am the gluten-free bread of life. You know, would you try? Would you consider? Like, no, he came. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the uh, good shepherd. And I think if he'd had the opportunity, he would have attended the Ohio State University. There we go. Now people are listening. That's good. That's great. But, but really what he's saying in these I am statements is uh, uh, every other option that's out there, every other option uh, is a cheap forgery at best. And uh, the next I am statement is found in John chapter 14, and it's a very familiar one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, <clears throat> and, and again, there's like zero option in that language. He's not saying, hey, you know, uh, I am a, a better way, or no, I am the, I am the way. And really in that statement, Jesus is calling us, calling them, calling us, he's calling them to himself. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's calling them to a, really, it, 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 it really describes the Christian life in the sense of it's a life of trusting him to, to cover us and care for all our needs. <clears throat> and in John 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples, to the 12, and, and uh, more accurately, it's 11 at this point, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But it's really important to remember as we're going through this series and looking at all these I am statements, that, uh, that for Jesus, the cross is getting closer and closer and closer. And, you know, we forget that. You know, we, we, we don't realize that, that Jesus knows what's coming, but the disciples, they don't know what's coming. And, and really, the statement we're looking at today, uh, I would say, when Jesus said it, he was like an hour, maybe, maybe two hours away from being arrested. So that's, you know, he, there's, there's a, there's, I just can't imagine the emotions and all that's being stirred in Jesus. Uh, this section, and I mean chapters 13 to 17 of John, if you, if you haven't read that in a long time, I encourage you to read it because it is really, it's one of the most tender interactions 
between Jesus and his followers. It's such, well, really, it, it, really it reaffirms or affirms what I said last weekend, that he, there's, there's no shepherd like Jesus. He really is the good shepherd who, who knows his sheep, who loves his sheep. He's in tune with his sheep. He cares for his sheep like, like no other. And at this point in the story, uh, his disciples, his, his sheep really do need some care because their world is really starting to fall apart. Like a couple days before uh, the story we're going to look at, a couple days before, things couldn't have been better as far as the, from the, the disciples' perspective. If you remember Jesus, he comes riding, he comes riding into Jerusalem on, the, on, the, on a donkey's colt, and he receives a king's welcome. And it literally says that the whole city came out to greet him. And I'm sure that if I was one of the disciples, I'd be walking like the secret service. Yeah, we got a guy. He's, yeah, he's, he, that's not a palm leaf in his hand. Like I would be, like I would just be like, you know, super like we're with him. You know, we're his posse. We're with him. And, and I'd be in my mind, I'd be ordering office furniture because I knew, you know, we're coming in to take over. He's the king, etc. And it looks so promising. But then Jesus starts acting very strange. <clears throat> like right after that, he goes into the temple and just trashes the place in the sense of the, with the money changers, flipping tables. And they're like, wow, you know, what's he doing? And, and he starts talking about, he starts predicting his death. Hey, you guys, I'm, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to die. Um, they gather to celebrate Passover, what, what we call the last supper. But again, the, the disciples, they didn't know it was the, it was the last supper. They're having their meal, they're eating. And all of a sudden it says, you know, Jesus, it's like he gets overwhelmed. He gets emotional. And they're like, what? You know, what's up? And he says, hey, uh, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples are like, what is going on? Like, like and, and what do you, us betray you? That's never, that would never happen, Jesus. We wouldn't betray you. And, and within minutes, out the door goes Judas into the night to go and betray Jesus. And as if all that wasn't troubling enough, in John 13, Jesus says this. He says, my children. Now, let me just stop there. Again, good shepherd. Like he's sitting around the table with a bunch of men and he calls them my children. That's so tender to me, my children. I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going you cannot come. Like, I can't imagine how that would have rattled these guys. Hey, just want to let you know uh, in a little bit here, I'm going to be gone. You're not going to see me. And, and what I want to talk about today, I want, I want to focus it on something that I'm uh, convinced every follower of Jesus, I would even go so far as to say probably every human being who's ever talk to God or reached out to God, something that we all struggle with, and that's believing in and following an invisible God. Like, do you struggle with that? You don't? Oh, we can wrap it up. Like, I sure do. I totally struggle with that. I mean, right now, I look out, I, I don't see God in the room. I see all your beautiful faces, and, and, but I don't I don't see him. I don't really feel him. I, you know, in fact, I got a little bit of butterflies flying around my, little, my tummy right now. You know, but, and maybe you do feel his presence, but I don't feel his presence. But, but is he here with us? 
Okay, because his word says that he would never leave us, but, but isn't that a hard thing? Like, so we know that, but do we know that, right? I find that that's a very challenging thing to follow an invisible God. In John 14, the disciples, they'd walked, literally walked with Jesus for three years, <clears throat> and now they're struggling, struggling to accept the news that they were entering a time where the call, the call of Jesus remained, meaning to believe in me, to follow me, but now me... <laughs> is going to be invisible. Jesus is going to be invisible to them. Um, and if it was hard for them, like how much more challenging is it for us today? Like we've never walked with Jesus. Like to us, uh, he's always, he's always been invisible. But again, to them and or for them and for us, the call, the invitation remains the same to, to believe in and, and to follow, to follow Jesus. So, uh, I want to uh, just touch on this crazy challenge of following an invisible God. And, and I want to look at, draw from this story, uh, how Jesus encourages them in, in doing that. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. So Lord, we thank you for uh, another day. I thank you for, I just think of that verse in the Psalms. This is the day that, the, that you have made. I just, I pray that we, would, we wouldn't so quickly just assume another day but this is another day of life you've given us. This is another day where we get to live, to learn. And I, I pray today, Lord, that you, uh, you would come be personal with each one here. I thank you that you know your lambs. You know the heavy hearts. You know the ones who are anxious today and fearful or feel beaten up. Lord, would you come and, and just uh, move among us Come be personal in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're gonna be in John 14. We'll get there in a little bit. Uh, again, in verse 33, Jesus informs his disciples, I'm, I'm gonna be with you a little bit longer, but then I'm out of here. And then in, in verse 34 and 35, he, he really, he gives them this new commandment. And, and it, it is such, a, such an important two, two verses. And uh, uh, it's where he says, I, you know, I, I give you guys a new command. You gotta, I want you to love each other the way that I have loved you. And, and it's just, this is a, such a foundational truth of our faith. And Jesus is like, hey, are you, are you listening right now? Are you writing this down? Like you, the way, this is so important because the way that you treat each other, the way that we love each other will be a sign to the world that we, we do belong to Jesus and that we, are his, <clears throat> that we are his followers. Are you guys listening? And to that, Peter, and I think most of the disciples would say, no, Jesus, we're not listening. And what I mean is in verse 36, listen to Peter's response. <clears throat> Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And really what, <clears throat> excuse me, what Peter's saying is, hey, I think you said something about love, but could we back it up a bit? What do you mean you're leaving? What are you, what are you talking about? You're gonna go, hey, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus, we, we left our jobs. We we left our reputations to follow you. And we've been walking with you for like three years and you have like, you've blown the doors off of our understanding of what life is all about and, and who God is. And, and it's like, you can't leave. What are we gonna do without you? Who, who will lead us? And to that question of Peter's, of where are you going? Jesus replies, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And this is bringing us towards our first point where Jesus is, is going to encourage them in one of the ways uh, to, to believe in and follow our invisible God. So the first point is this. Number one is encouraging promise. 
His response to their question is an encouraging promise. Again, the disciples' world is crumbling. You know, they thought they were moving towards something wonderful. Jesus would be king. They would be his cabinet. We're going to reign together. You know, we'll, we'll uh, have a, uh, a, um, a shoe allowance. <laughs> I was going to say a car allowance. We'll have a Birkenstock allowance. It's going to be awesome. But now Jesus is messing it all up by saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. And, and again, he's the good shepherd and he's in tune with his sheep and he can see it probably written all over their faces that they're like, you know, in shock. They're afraid. And so he responds with this encouraging promise. Chapter 14, verse one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. <clears throat> and again, there's, there's such tender language in what Jesus is saying. He's looking at these, you know, these are big, you know, strong fishermen and all these different guys. And he's looking at them and he, and he can just see it in their faces, how crushed they are and how fearful they are. And he's like, he's like, whoa, I know this is hard. I know this is confusing. I know it feels like the end, but it is far from the end because I've got amazing plans for, for, for you, for my followers. Like, remember you guys, I've told you this, you know, this, this life that you're living, it's like a, it's just a little, you know, a puff of smoke compared to forever. And you think, you think this world is beautiful. You just wait. You just wait till you see the place that I'm, that I'm preparing for you. And what Jesus is, is really introducing in, in this passage is one of the foundational truths of the Christian faith that separates us from most, if not all, other religions, and that is the hope of heaven. The belief that, like, this isn't it. The belief that one day our God will come and lift us up and scoop us up and take us uh, home with him, take us back to the most wonderful place. Like a place, the Bible says that far beyond our own understanding, like we couldn't even like think up the most beautiful, beautiful place. And it's like, that's not even close to the beginning of how beautiful heaven will be. When he, so he's going to scoop us up, take us back to this place. We'll be with him forever. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. We will hear a loud command. We will hear the voice of the leader of the angels we will hear a blast from God's trumpet. Many who believe in Christ will have died already. They will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. We will be taken up in the clouds. We will meet the Lord in the air and we will be with him forever. And listen to this. So encourage, encourage one another with those words of comfort. See, uh, the struggle of living in a world following an invisible God, etc. One of the things that's meant to encourage us in that is, is the future hope of heaven. That like, this isn't it, right? That, that the future hope is meant to encourage our present situation. That like, like as hard as it is, as it's confusing or painful or whatever you're going through right now, like this is not it. This is like, there is, there's, it's, it's the encouragement that, that after, like there's so much more to come that it's going to be so Wonderful. It's the hope of heaven. I was at a concert last week with one of my sons and the guy, uh, he was like, you know, a singer songwriter, just had a, one guy on the stage with some really nice guitars. And, 
and he would talk, give song stories. I love when I hear stories like this is, I wrote this, you know. Uh, he was super funny and very tender moments. And then at one point in the concert, this guy, he, he, he was, you know, moving towards another song. And he said, you know, he said, I've been thinking about the afterlife a lot lately. And I sure hope there's something there. And then he paused and he said, but I don't think so. And he smiled. And the place, everyone clapped. And I was sitting there and I sort of looked at my son and, I, and like inside I'm like, Part of me wanted to stand up and say, wait a minute, why are you smiling? Why are you clapping? That is the most depressing thing, the most hopeless thing that I've heard, you know, in a long time that, that, and, and the most, and, and what he just said is not true. What he just said is not true. In fact, that hope that he said, I hope there's something there. That's not there. That's there because God put that there, right? Do you know that the Bible teaches that when God made every human being, every human being, like whether a person believes in him or not, like that he put in the heart of every human being like a kingdom homing beacon. Doot, 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 right? If you, if you get quiet, you can. But it's like, but there's, this, there's just something in the heart of every human being that longs for home. Isn't that true? Like we long for a place where where no one dies, where there's no tears, where there's no pain, where, where no one, there's no division. There's no, you know, anger and hatred and violence. Like, like there is something in us that longs for a perfect place where we just get to live and love. And, 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 and that's there. That's not because of Walt Disney. That's there because God God made us that way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He, God, made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Like it's, it's in there. It's in there. It's why we... Whoops. It's, excuse me. <laughs> okay. It's why we struggle so much. It's why something rises up inside. That's not right. It isn't right, you know, that someone's death, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and so we are meant to draw encouragement from the promise of heaven that this isn't it. This is not it for me. This is not it for you. There is something so great and so wonderful, an eternal reward that's, that's waiting for us. So let me ask you today, just ask yourself this question. Like, how often do I think about heaven? Like, how often do you think about it? How often do you, you know, do you, do you draw encouragement from the promise of heaven? You know, like you're in a hard situation or, or maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've lost a loved one, right? Like how, how, how is, it, is, it a, is, it a, is it a discipline really to, to invite, to grab hold of that promise and, and to draw it into your daily struggle, right? The hope of heaven. And, you know, I remember saying when I was a kid, uh, some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. Remember that, if you've, if you've heard that saying? I grew up with that saying. And you know what? I Honestly, I think the opposite is true. I think if we thought more about heaven, what the Bible teaches about heaven, I think if we thought more about that, I think we would become more and more earthly good. Because uh, I think that for many of us, we are so earthly-minded that we are no earthly good. And what I mean is we are so fearfully-minded 
so anxiously minded, so performancely minded, so distrusting, distrustingly minded, so disappointedly minded, so greedily minded, on and on and on. All of that stuff gets in the way of us living and loving the way God uh, wants us to, what he has invited us into. So, so the reality of our heavenly home, the hope of heaven, is meant to, uh, is meant to encourage us in this life. But, but let's be honest, uh, in the busyness of, this, of our lives and just the crazy pace, in the brokenness of our minds, you know, the brokenness of our hearts, it really is hard to, to grab hold of that promise, to grab hold of that truth. Like I find, and, well, and I think this is true for all of us, that, that, that encourage, the encouragement of that promise can quickly get buried under all the hard stuff of life. And, and so we need help. We need help to, to grab onto that, that promise of heaven and to really draw it into our hearts for the encouragement it gives. And, and this, the need for help really comes out in the story. Uh, Jesus tells them he's going to go to prepare a place. He's going to come back and get them so that they can be with him. And then he says this in John 14, 4. He says, hey, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then verse 5, Thomas, one of the disciples, I love Thomas. Thomas said to him, no, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And uh, uh, Thomas, the, the, the disciple Thomas, gets, I think gets a bad rap from us. Because he's, you know, the doubter, Thomas the doubter. And, it, and I remember, if, again, I grew up going to church. We used to sing a song, Why worry when you can pray? Did you grow up with this one? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. And then we would do this, don't be a doubting Thomas. He's the faithless one among us. No, and that's the, that last line I made up. But basically what it's saying, it's just ripping on Thomas. And I think if Thomas is up in heaven going, really? Are you kidding me? Like, I said all those things for you. It was for your sake. Because we all doubt. We all stand there and go, really? Is God really here right now? Am I just spouting off a bunch of, you know, fairy tale stuff right now? Or is this real? Like, we all struggle with that. Right? And so I'm like, Thomas, way to go. I think, he's, I think we all owe him an apology when we get to heaven. Uh, but, but what I love about Thomas is he, he listens to what Jesus is saying, and, he's, and, I, and I'm sure he's going like, oh, like that sounds really cool, Jesus. It sounds like a really you know, amazing place, but, but honestly, we, we don't understand. We really don't understand what you're talking about, let alone how to get there. Like we don't know the way. And Jesus looks at him and goes, yes, you do. You do, Thomas, you know the way. And Thomas goes, no, no, I don't know the way. And Jesus goes, yes, you do. You know the way. And in verse six, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like that is such a loaded statement. And in a way, I am the way, the truth and the life. It's like, it's, it's like this summary statement of Jesus. It's like, hey, have you guys not been listening all this time? Have you not been watching? And, and it's like, well, you know, they, well, they would be like us. They would have, but, but he's like, I am the way. Come follow me. Come, come follow me. I will get you there. I'll get you there. I am the truth. Trust in me. Believe what I say. I am the life. Receive from me. I want to meet all your needs in this life. It's such, a, it's such an all-inclusive statement. 
Right? It's, it's like, I've got everything covered, Jesus says. It's Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I know this is a, you know, a lot of us know this verse and we've probably memorized it. And, but it's like, you know, typically this verse is applied to our financial needs, right? Oh, you know, you, you, you know you're struggling financially. Hey, remember, remember Philippians 4.19. And, and that's true. But, but does it not say all your needs? Jesus is saying, I will supply everything you need. That's financial, that's relational, that's emotional, that's occupational, physical, spiritual. It's all our needs. And Jesus, again, Jesus is looking at Thomas and he's saying, Thomas, Tommy, don't worry. Uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I, I'm going to get you there. I'll get you to where, to where I'm going. And again, I'm, you know, I'm sort of reading into the story. I think Thomas would politely say to Jesus, Jesus, uh, thank you. And I'm really glad that you're the way, etc. But, But I think you've forgotten that you just told us you're leaving. So once you're gone, <laughs> what are we gonna do? So number one is encouraging promise. Number two is encouraging presence. Encouraging presence. And notice that the answer to Thomas's original question, like we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? Notice that the answer Jesus gives, like he doesn't give them uh, directions to a place. This is the way, blah, 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 right? He doesn't give them, you know, he doesn't give them a list of standards. Oh, this is what you need to do to get there. The answer that Jesus gives is such a relational, personal answer. He gives them really, it's directions to a person. It's, it's me, it's through me. That's how you get there. And, and you know, just imagine, like to me, that is such good news. Because imagine if Jesus said, answered Thomas, oh, thank you for asking that, Thomas. Uh, you don't know the way. I'll, okay, I'll tell you the way. The way is you, you clean yourself up. You stop blowing it. You get it all together. You show me that you really are committed. Uh, you know, let's see your attendance. Can we get that up a little bit? Can we see your giving up a little bit, Thomas? Uh, you show that you're worthy of such a reward. And if you can sustain that level of performance and piety, I'll be generous for a week. If you can, if you can do it for a week, well then, uh, I will share with you the secret, the secret coordinates of the place where I am going. And, and thankfully, that was not what Jesus said, right? The way was not directions to a place. The way was, the way was directions to a person. But again, in fairness to the disciples, again, it's uh, directions to a person who just told his followers that he was getting ready to depart. A little later in the chapter, Jesus addresses the challenge of, of his departure and really the challenge of his invisibility, John 14, 16, Jesus says, uh, yes, I'm leaving, but as I go <clears throat> and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Then drop down to 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And this is a very profound chapter in the Bible, John 14, because this is where Jesus, really he's introducing them and us to the Holy Spirit. 
And, and really what he's saying is, hey, let me introduce you to the one who's gonna uh, take my place in your lives. And really what Jesus is saying, hey, I'm getting ready to, to depart, but in a sense, I'm also getting ready to arrive. And what I mean is this, uh, something that I've never seen before in, uh, in this passage, uh, when Jesus says that the Father will give us another advocate to help us and be with us, in the Greek language, New Testament was originally written in Greek. In the Greek language, there are two words that Jesus could have used to, or to choose from uh, for the word another. It could have been one heteros, another of a different kind, or he could have used the word alos, which is the no, another of the same kind. Which one do you think he used? I think it's the answer, Jesus. No, the answer is alos. Alos. And now why is that significant? Because what he's saying is, hey, another of the same kind. This advocate that the father is going to send, you know, to basically to take over from me, if you will, as I depart, he's, he's just like me. He's just like me. And what I mean is, you know, this, there's this thing, the Trinity, that God is one God revealed in three persons, the father, the son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so basically the Holy Spirit, you know, coming to, to live in you, it's, it's really, it's the same as, as Jesus now. Jesus now living in you. And, and, and basically the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life will now, you know, is now going to take up residence in you. In fact, it's even better. It's, it's even for your good that I'm leaving. Because like the Holy Spirit, he's not just going to be with you like, hey, Jesus. He's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to come and dwell in you, which is a mystery, but that's, that's what he teaches. And, and Jesus is basically saying, hey, on earth, <clears throat> I am limited in the sense that I can only be where I am, right? Jesus is down in Jerusalem. He gets a text. Hey, there's a storm in the Sea of Galilee. Could you come help us out? He's like, well, I'll get there as fast as I can, but I'm in Jerusalem right now. Right? But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he can be actively present uh, in the heart's of seven plus billion people all at the same time. The Holy Spirit is here with us and he is present and active in every heart, every life in this room. Jesus says he's gonna come and he's gonna come and help us. And again, think of the different, all the different names given to the Holy Spirit that describe who he is and what he does. He's the advocate, he's the helper. He's the guide, he's the counselor, he's the intercessor, he's the comforter. I mean, do you need any of that? I sure do. Uh, he's come to help us. Jesus says he's also come to teach us all things that he will, he will remind us of everything that Jesus has said, right? He will remind us of the, and help us take hold of the encouraging promise of heaven and to, and to really draw the encouragement from that, uh, the, of this wonderful world to come. The Holy Spirit will, will teach us, will train us how to believe in and how to follow an invisible God. So let's have the worship team come back. We're going to go back into worship. And really, if I could sum up what I'm saying today, the key to believing in and following an invisible God is learning how to recognize and respond to his presence within us the Holy Spirit within us. Understand that this is God's plan that the Holy Spirit in us would lead us now, would lead us in this life that we had to live. Why don't we stand up? We're gonna go back into worship. 
again, through our 40 days, uh, this, this season that we're in, at the end of worship, one of our small group leaders will come and uh, will uh, lead us in taking communion together. So if you didn't grab communion elements, they're at the tables in the back, tables at the front, please feel free, uh, feel free to grab those. Uh, and, and again, we, we, we believe in God's active presence with us. If you, during worship, if you feel like God might have given you a picture, a word, a scripture, something like that, come on over here. Vicki and myself will be over here. Uh, you can share that with us. But, but before we go back into worship, I want to, uh, we've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit today. And so I want to, uh, bef- uh, before we go into worship, I want to invite us to just to pray a prayer together. It'll be up on the screens. And it's really a simple prayer. It's a prayer of invitation. Uh, it's a prayer of, of welcoming the Holy Spirit. And I, so I just want to invite you to pray with me. And also, if you're comfortable to open your hands, it's just a posture of openness to the Lord and receiving. So let's pray this together. It says, come Holy Spirit. We confess that you are a mystery to us. We confess that it's hard to understand who you are and what you do. But because Jesus said it's better for us that he goes and you come, we say, come, Holy Spirit. You are God and you are welcome here in this church and in my heart. Teach me, teach us how to believe in and follow you. Come, Holy Spirit. So Lord, we welcome you here. Uh, We thank you for your presence. We pray that as we worship that you would just uh, come and move among us. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.